0: Episode 008, Jess Silk. Jess Silk is a singer-songwriter out of the UK. She's one of my favorite up-and-coming acts, and I'm not alone there. In just a few short years, she's gained a loyal and growing following, and it's obvious she's just getting started. We talk about US-UK politics, Black Cats, the effect Brexit has had on touring performers, and the legendary Italian anti-fascist hymn, Bella Ciao, a song I've recently reconnected with, thanks to Jess's incredible take on it. We talk about these things because they're all topics in her music. Please welcome to the show, Jess Silk. So, Jess, thank you so much for being here. Um, Did you just go by, like, like Jess, or is it, like, do people usually just say your full name? Like, do they just say Jess Silk, or what's, like, the typical i J- matter with
1: Jess. Jess works.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I I got into you via Attila the Stockbroker. Uh, he I think it was on his Facebook Live. He was featuring different artists, and he featured you, and it was one of those things. Like like by the first line. I I was like, oh, I'm hooked. I gotta find all of her music. Like, like I really dig your sound a lot, and and I love your lyrics, and I and I like your stuff. Uh, so how did you just sort of get into music, and then how did you find Attila? Like, like kind of, you know, kind of give me the history there.
1: Well, I mean, I started playing guitar when I was eight, so that's nearly twenty years now, which is a bit scary. Um, but yeah, I've always loved to sing, and I've always loved to to write. Music. I like writing stuff that means something, and like you listen to the charts, and it's just like there's there's nothing on there that applies to me at all. So I I like music with a bit of bite to it, I suppose. And um, yeah, I think I first met John when he was he was playing at my uh, my local uh, my local venue, Kate Fitzgerald's in Stourbridge. I got chatting to him. I don't know when he first saw me play. I might have been supporting him. It's been a while. Um, but he immediately said, right, I want to put her on at my festival. I was like, excellent. <laughs> I'll say nice. that. But he's always been really, really supportive of me, which is lovely.
0: So are you, and, and, and this is kind of my geographical ignorance when it comes to England, are are you both from the same town then, you and him? or, or, or No, where? not, not okay. even
1: remotely. Um, oh, okay. John, John lives on the south coast and I'm kind of somewhere in the middle just west of Birmingham.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know like all the <laughs> I mean I, I just know the like London, Birmingham, Manchester and and then I then I get a little foggy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> uh so one of your songs uh, is, is about the what happened on January sixth here in the United States. So I, I kind of wanted to just get your take on, um, you know, you 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 deal with politics a lot in your music. What's kind of your take on what's going on here in the U.S. right now?
1: Yeah, I, at the moment, it kind of seems like the UK and America are just constantly trying to one up each other on <laughs> how bad it can get. But I mean that that song was um. It was kind of me trying to write about what I was looking at from kind of an outside perspective, seeing all this this footage on, on. I mean, I don't really watch the news, but like shared online, it's like, wow, this is actually happening, and that, that kind of that, that's what inspired inspired me to write that.
0: Was that your reaction? Like, just kind of this is happening, or, or was it surprising? I mean, I mean, it's just curious to me, like, like what. You know, like a like a non American perspective is
1: it? It's kind of like the last few years. It just it just seems to have turned into this dystopian nightmare. Like everything, just one thing after another, and it's all it's just mad. So I don't think anything surprises me anymore. But like looking back four or five years, well, longer than that when when Trump got in, it was just like what what is going on? Yeah, I
0: mean that that's that's very uh very accurate to to my sentiments <laughs> as well. Like like I I mean Trump got in and so much of the country was really shocked by it. I wasn't just because I saw things brewing. Like like I saw what was kind of brewing uh in the underbelly in this country. And I kind of saw, you know, I mean, I I supported Bernie Sanders both times in 2016 Mm -hmm. and in 2020. And you kind of saw what happened to him and, and just the momentum that was lost when what happened in the primary happened. And Trump, on the other hand, had this very excited base that they took a chance. I mean, I mean, they 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 thought Bush was something good. And then Bush just decimated their fricking lives. Mm -hmm. And then they thought Obama was going to be something different and he governed like Reagan. So they're kind of like, well, I guess, I I guess progressive ideas suck, even though there was really nothing progressive that happened during those eight years. But, 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 but a lot of Americans were just like, well, where do we go now? And you have this Trump guy who was selling this, this fake populist snake oil and people were just buying it, and it was happening. And I kind of—I mean, my friends and family told me I was crazy. When I'm like, "He's going to win, and it's mm. going to be," and, and and it's been like yourself. I've stopped wondering where the floor's at because every every day I wake up and and I'm like, "Oh well, we're not there yet."
1: I think it was just that, like, with looking at it for people who don't look at politics that much they they might go and vote but they don't get really deep into it it was surprising how prevalent the right wing is and trump just seemed to make them all come out of the woodwork That well, i was like looking that well but it's it's gone the same way in the uk as well like i don't think i was paying enough attention because it's always been there but maybe wouldn't notice it but then you have all the newsreel footage, and it's center of attention. Mm-hmm. Like it is actually this bad, and it's scary.
0: Well, did Boris Johnson really excite a lot of people, or or was he just sort of because because he just strikes me as um like just no. I, I mean, obviously, like I'm I'm completely opposed to his politics, but even just on like the surface level, like he just strikes me as
1: he, being the opposite of charismatic. <laughs> And I think, yeah. I never use that word, but buffoon is the correct <laughs> word for Boris Johnson. It, But then there were people being interviewed and they were asking them, well, why did you vote for him? I said, oh, I thought it'd be funny. I thought it'd be a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I <thought it'd> be <laughs> people's funny. lives you're playing with and you thought it'd be a laugh. Oh, okay.
0: Wow. Well, so let's go over to 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 your side then like 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 your your shores um and and i've asked a couple different performers this and uh how i mean i i want to talk about brexit in general but also i want to start from like the practical sense as a touring performer are you like are you not able to go to the eu now without uh, a visa, like like, how does that work exactly? Because I know there's been debates about this, and they're trying to work it out. But as someone who's not like there there often, like like like, like I'm just curious how that works on the day to day right now.
1: I mean, I think you can get away as a, as a solo artist. I think you you can get away with without doing a lot of that okay um, there's still paperwork but if you're following the letter of the law then yeah you need visas and you need all of this all, all carnets and whatever to take you, your instruments over and all your merchandise and like i've had stuff that i've sent to people in um in the eu um and they've encountered massive customs charges at the other end so it's just been a bit of a nightmare really
0: That's I mean, that's nuts. So so if you like, let's say somebody in Paris buys a a just silk album or T-shirt like you're getting slammed with these fees or they're getting slammed with these fees.
1: Yeah. And if I'm using the post office, they they don't let you pay them this end either. So the post has just gone up and you have to fill in like ridiculous customs forms. And even the people at the post office don't really know what you're supposed to do to fill them in. They don't make sense. Um And then it's only really Germany and I think Norway that I've had uh, problems with. The rest of them seem to have gone through all right, but it's just it, – it's whoever's checking the mail the other end, really, I think.
0: That's so, so interesting because, yeah. I mean, I, I've been following the whole thing a little bit from afar the best I can, and I know, like, there was that – didn't they have a big concert about that, like Elton John performed or whatever, like for the artist? you know what I'm referring to, or is that
1: know, was random? that like a music venue trust thing or i, I thought it
0: was I thought it was for that cause, like they were saying that there should be a visa free relationship between the oh 80s.
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah and and so, and it seemed to me, like, and, and again, I was just, like, kind of following stuff on the BBC the best I could, so I'm sure there was, like, a ton of details I wasn't abreast to, but it seemed like the UK was just sort of blaming the EU, and the EU was just sort of blaming the UK, and, and neither, neither side wanted to kind of take the blame for this, and yeah. live performers were getting screwed over, <laughs> in both the, cases.
1: The way I understand it, um, it's It would all be fine um, if our government would agree. If if people from the UK can go and tour in the EU, then the EU obviously want to be able to send musicians over here. But Mm -hmm. from how I understand it, our government won't agree to that. Um, I really don't get it because music is like one of our biggest exports. And...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I no, it was, I mean, and as a live performer based in the States, like, like I was kind of looking at that. And I'm like, that's like, that'd be like the equivalent if all of a sudden I needed a permit to go to Nevada or something. Like, mm-hmm. It's because it's like, it's, it's, it's all right there, you know? And and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope they make some kind of arrangement, but it seems like they're not, like, like they're just kind of letting it happen and they're not really doing <laughs> no, anything me... to
1: fix it. I'm a member of the Musicians' Union, and they, they are trying to sort something out, but it's looking like it's going to have to be an agreement between each individual um, member, like, country of, of the EU. We can have a separate agreement for all of them. Wow.
0: Okay. But obviously,
1: hopefully, there's going to be, like, tying tie tie in all of them in, in a single agreement, but it, it, everyone wants different things, and it's just a nightmare.
0: Well, they gotta get they gotta get twenty eight union members to to just like like be ambassadors. <laughs> it's like all right, we got twenty eight countries. We need twenty eight agreements. Just pick your country. What do you want? <laughs> you want? You want Spain? You want France? You want Italy? What do you want? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's wow. Well, yeah, I I hope they they figure that out. Well, so Brexit in general, like, give me your your kind of just overall take on that because I know there's. I mean, I, I I've heard like just the basic nuts and bolts of it, but I but I don't know like all like the ins and outs and the nitty gritty and 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 where some people like why some people are where they are on that issue. So, uh, as an outsider, like like kind of break that down for me.
1: I don't I don't even really know anymore. to be honest, really? <laughs> like they had this this massive bus that went round, um, like advertising Brexit, and it was what, £350 million for the NHS. I don't know whether it was per month or whatever. And that that seemed to be their big slogan. And obviously that hasn't delivered because the NHS is collapsing. Um, and I get, get this, a lot of people seem to think that it was going to be this wonderful, wonderful thing. And I did sincerely hope that I would be proved wrong, but I, I have not seen one single benefit.
0: So they were making promises. They were saying that the NHS was going to get better mm-hmm. if if Brexit happened.
1: Yeah, and all they've done is keep privatizing bits of it. And well,
0: I, I can tell you don't do
1: that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't need to hear well, you've from been, me. You've been invited to do it, it. I? But, yeah. <laughs> um, And like, all the nurses are on strike, I think, still at the moment. Junior doctors have been on strike um because of pay deals and the the stupid conditions of of their work they have to to put up with Uh, it doesn't seem to be getting any better um but the government just won't listen
0: well how common is it like like because i know like privatization is you know rearing its head not just in england but in other parts of the world and You know, the United States is the biggest warning to never do that when it comes to healthcare. The The situation we have here is is absolutely abysmal. And um, how commonplace is that? Just like, you know, people you might encounter on the street, like where are they concerned? Like, oh, man, we're, we're going the way of the United States. This could be really bad. Or are some people for it?
1: Some people are, but it seems to be going more and more the other way. More and more people are being plunged into poverty and they might have voted for Brexit and all of a sudden like, oh, this was actually a really, really bad idea because it's affecting me now. Because um, there, there was, well, still is, the, the I'm all right, Jack attitude. Um it's, it's happening somewhere else. It's happening to somebody else. So it doesn't matter but now it's starting to affect more and more people i think more and more people are changing their minds but obviously they're so stubborn they won't tell you that <laughs>
0: <laughs> well what was the rationale like how did they sell that to the public like oh if we do brexit the nhs will get better like what was the was it because like they would just focus only on the pound or or like what was what was the okay. rationale there like i like i don't get how they <laughs> tried to sell that
1: a lot of it was based on immigration Okay, which obviously Brexit hasn't fixed. Um, um like my granddad's generation, they were like, "Well, we were all right before we went into the EU." To which my argument was, "You were still on rationing before we went into the EU after the Second World War." Um, and it, it, some people looked a bit deeper into it, like um, the EU enforcing laws um that we have to put up with like the human rights law um which yeah now that's that's all up in the air and uh right to protest and it all all seems to be uh going down the pan a bit
0: Mm. yeah sounds familiar sounds familiar (laughs) it's 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 same things going on here um so where do you think things kind of went sideways because a lot of times you know we had our our bernie sanders and the the parallel y'all had was jeremy corbyn and uh you know i've seen you in various jeremy corbyn uh um, Mm. apparel and uh so where did things go sideways there for him
1: i think the labor party just absolutely crucified him Mm. um they I mean, that was the, the first time in my life that I'd ever had real hope for politics and for the left way of thinking. Um, but the the Labour Party definitely didn't and still seemingly don't want that. They want another Tony Blair in charge, which admittedly is probably better than what we've got now, but <laughs> there, there was like a, a definite alternative um that gave a lot of people hope and then that was quashed quite considerably and yeah Yeah, i mean
0: (laughs) so it's the exact same thing that happened here with with bernie and and like yourself i mean for me personally you know when when bernie happened it was i think for a lot of americans myself being among them you know like like i've been you know i i've been left pretty much as long as i've been paying attention to politics you know i got radicalized in college because of the iraq war because i i didn't know why we were over there and we shouldn't have been and and then you know like like the i was kind of off to the races with with all that and so i kind of just realized i live in a country that is nowhere close to those values like like nowhere freaking close at all and then bernie came along and and made people who think the way I do realize we weren't as alone as we thought we were. We're still probably the smallest group politically in the country, but we're not quite as alone as we thought. And then, you know, and, and then we kind of saw what happened, but I guess what we, I'm curious about, like how exactly did labor really crush Corbyn? Because like in our democratic party, we have all these ridiculous rules in place, like super delegates and stuff like that, where they can basically squash anything they don't want. Uh, and I guess I'm, I'm curious, like, what kind of anatomy the Labour Party has that that allowed them to do something similar?
1: I couldn't tell you, to be honest, but I, it was the media as well. Um, okay. And, of course, he was being accused of being an anti-Semite all the time. And even people that didn't know what that meant and couldn't understand it, they were still, oh, yeah, I won't vote for him. He's, Yeah, people just, I don't know really don't know
0: (laughs) no i feel you i mean it's uh yeah it's it's quite it's quite a thing and 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 it's uh you know the past kind of seven years has has really been like a roller coaster in, in in so many ways but um but i mean you have definitely written a lot of songs because of it i mean you deal with these themes in your music uh a lot which it's uh it's very cathartic for for a lot of listeners you know myself being among them is that something you get a lot at shows
1: yeah more and more i think especially since lockdown um and i kind of try not to be too specific with my writing but Mm -hmm. because then it can mean more and it it, will last longer in a way but yeah, there's a specific song of mine, um, "Bar at the End of the World," mm. and I, I, that was the first song that I wrote during lockdown because it was doing my head in, and I didn't know what else to do. That was the only thing I was good for at the time was the line in the song. But several people have, have come up to me since, and uh, they're like, "Oh, I had that played at my partner's partner's funeral," and I'm like, it, it, obviously, that wasn't what I wrote it about. But listening back to the lyrics. I can understand. So that, that not particularly that morbid, but I like the songs to have a meaning to people and I like people to be able to put their own meanings to them.
0: Yeah. Well, and and I think like it is one of those songs. It, it's a, it's a very, it's a very sincere song and, and it's a very sweet song and, and there, there is some open-endedness to it. And, you know, and, and then, Even some of your songs that are quite literal, I think, can be taken a a couple different ways. One of my favorite songs uh, of yours is a song called Black Cat, because I have a black cat turning 17 in a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, I love her dearly. So so I really like connected with that in the literal sense. But there's there's also like so many metaphors going on in that song, too, that that people could take it different ways.
1: Yeah, that one I did actually write about a black cat. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd been out, I can't remember when I wrote it, been out to a gig and it was just, it would been rubbish and hardly anyone there and it just, I just wasn't feeling it. And I was really quite sad on the way home and I got off the bus, walked up the road, going towards my house and this sort of black cat started following me. <laughs> it's obviously immediately put a smile on your face. Yeah. And uh, so that was quite literally. Or it started anyway about a, a little black cat that I met. <laughs> well, what, what?
0: How did things end? Did Did you both just go your separate ways, or?
1: Yeah, I would have quite liked to to take him home, but we already had two cats at home at the time, so I don't think they would have been very happy.
0: <laughs> Understand? No, that, that's understandable, but uh, but yeah, the they uh the the cat recognized a uh a friendly companion. Yeah. I mean, it is. It, it's one of the i think coolest trippiest things i mean i'm I'm assuming you're a cat person since you got two of them but uh i mean it is one of the coolest trippiest things in the
1: world when a when a cat chooses you absolutely especially the black ones i don't they know they know something i don't know what it is but they definitely know i think they know
0: and and i don't know either but uh (laughs) do you think that they know they have it a little harder
1: I don't know, possibly. They just—I don't know what they know, but they definitely know. They know something.
0: I—I—I <laughs> I, I feel like because they typically are, and and yeah, I try, you know, to only—I mean, I love all cats, but but I try to really only, um, you know, like like I try to only focus as far as adoption goes on on, mm-hmm. on black cats because I know they have it harder; they are the last to get adopted. Um, and you know, it can all be traced back to a bunch of superstition that was mm-hmm. going on, you know, via one of the popes and in England and, uh, and that still exists to this day, which is like, it's ridiculously depressing, <laughs> but, um, but you know, I-, I wonder if they know that cause they are typically like just incredibly affectionate.
1: Mm, I've got a few friends who have rescued black cats for purely that reason. Mm hmm.
0: It's important. I mean, they, you know, they. it's, it's, it's kind of sad. I mean, there, there's a, there's a cat rescue near my, 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 my place. And it's, I always love going there and, and stuff like that. And, and I can't, you know, take in another cat right now because my cat's a senior, but like, you know, I always see all the cats wanting to be adopted and it's always, mm-hmm. it's always the black ones that are the longest. And there's the most of them. And, and it does, you know, like, like, it does hurt your heart. Like, you're just thinking, Absolutely. come
1: on. I want, I want to take them all home. <laughs> I know.
0: I really do. Like, I mean, I, I, you know, I live in SoCal, so my place is very small. But, um, but yeah, like, if I had this space, I'm like, I wish if I ever had a big place, I would just get a ranch for them all. <laughs> you know? Are your cats cool with you being in and out a bunch as a touring performer?
1: Yeah, well, we actually lost the second one at the when was oh, it? Start this year yeah um but they 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 were cool, they were always cool, but um they didn't like to to listen to me play like they'd, no. they'd sneak up into my room and they'd lounge out on the bed and as soon as I picked the guitar up, gone, mm. sensitive to the sound, I think they were just rude to be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
0: When you write a song, do you just kind of pick up the guitar and and just kind of, you know, let the ideas flow or or, or are you pen to paper first or what's kind of your your process?
1: It can vary, but it's usually pen to paper. Um, I've got a a notes page on my phone that I just write random stuff down. Then I'll, I'll go back to it a couple of weeks later. I'm like, what on earth was I on about there? But more often than not, they do. They, they tend to steadily grow. Like I'll add, add a couple of lines here and there. And then all of a sudden there's a song a couple of months down the line. Yeah. I don't, I don't get enough time to sit and uh, sit and write. Everything else seems to always take precedence and I I, I need to make myself take the time to write. But I'll get there.
0: <laughs> well, you, I mean, you, you put out a ton of music, so you're, you're finding the time somehow.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm working on... It's written. um, Working on a new album at the moment, um, which hopefully that'll be out early next year. And then I would like to take some time just to to sit and write for a bit. So... I got to
0: ask you about one of your covers as uh, as an Italian American who, who tries to keep close with my family in Italy, uh, and I, I absolutely love your uh, your take on Bella Ciao. So, uh, what 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 kind of uh, what inspired you to take on that song?
1: Um, I, you know, I can't really remember. I'd seen a few people perform it live. Mm-hmm. I just thought, what a brilliant song uh just listening to people performing it I think you know I just thought right I've got got to learn that so then obviously I don't speak Italian um so that was a a bit of a learning curve but
0: I I think think you're I mean I I, I'm not fluent by any means but but I I do speak it and I I I I think you do it really well
1: a couple of people have said that to me I think it's because i Well, it sounds rubbish if you're doing it in a black country accent, so you do have to, like, make an effort to put the proper accent on, shall we say. Um, All right.
0: No, I I assumed you spoke a little based on how you do that song, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. But, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm not fluent by any means, but, you know, like, I I do, I, I at least... I get to use it daily because I have some colleagues over in Italy and I also, you know, have my family and and thanks to stuff like WhatsApp, it's, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot easier to keep in touch. So, you know, I do use it on a, you know, on a, on a somewhat regular basis. And I also practice on it. Do you guys have Duolingo in England? Yes. Okay.
1: I've never used it, but
0: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a, I'm a daily, I'm a daily Duolingo guy. So, you know, I do use it, but, but yeah. But uh, so you just kind of heard it around. Did you hear it from other like like kind of folky artists, or just?
1: I think the first time I heard it, um, it was somebody was playing it um, at Rebellion Punk Festival in Blackpool Mm. on the acoustic stage, and they did. It was amazing, and they kept changing the key of it. It kept going up and up and up. I was like, "This is incredible!" And and then I'd I'd heard a few more people play it. I thought, yeah. But everyone sings along to it, even though they have no idea what the words mean.
0: (laughs) That is interesting. Well, when you hear some of the, like, older renditions of it, even, I mean, not like the original, original, but some of the stuff you can find, like, people have sort of, like, there's kind of pop variations Mm. of it. And that is interesting, like, when you know what the song's actually about. (laughs) That
1: was kind of why, because I did, like, the first bit all in Italian. And then second bit, I will speed it up a bit and have the translations as well. Yeah. So I try <laughs> try and make people understand what it's about.
0: <laughs> no, I, I I love the way you do it. I, I mean, it, it, it's I, I really love your take on that song, and and it is such a such a beautiful song. And it, it's a song that I actually kind of reconnected with because of your you know your your live album that you put out. Because I kind <laughs> of you know I mean I it's a song I knew about but you don't know, think about it all the time and then i heard your take on it and i'm like oh yeah and I, and i've kind of like you know just just sort of had a a, a very cool reconnection uh to that song cuz you know we're, we're talking about um <laughs> you know, we're talking about countries that are going through some uh so 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 some interesting rough roads right now and you know i mean we can include italy too it's not just <laughs> england and the us
1: sadly still very applicable
0: yeah oh i was there i was there when maloney got elected um not for that reason i wasn't like oh i I go to countries (laughs) on election day (laughs) but my cousin was getting married around that time Mm -hmm. my cousin from from napoli and and so i was there and, and election day happened to happen and uh and yeah so i was there when she got elected and uh no one in my family was in a good mood that day. It was sort of like a solemn little thing. And, uh, and they didn't like bring it up much. Cause I, I, I think they thought like the, you know, it, it wouldn't be fun conversation for the, for the American side or, but I wanted to, I, I was like, mm. tell me everything. What do you guys think? <laughs> like, but, but yeah. So, so I, I wanted to get your, your, your take on that song. Have you ever performed in Italy?
1: No. I've never, I've only ever performed in the UK. It's, well, it it seemed to be edging closer, and then uh, the pandemic happened, and then Brexit happened, and so that's kind of been put on the back burner. Um, It's definitely yeah i'd like to tour elsewhere it'll happen at some point
0: well how long have you been doing your thing like in its current state like i mean i know you've been playing guitars since you know childhood but how long have you been doing you know like this thing i mean i i became cognizant of you in in i guess 2021 but mm, i didn't know like um, how long you had been around or anything like that
1: i mean i've been gigging for years but since since i left uni uh so that'd be My mum and mates informed me the other day, which was terrifying. That was six years ago, Um, which is very scary.
0: Time doesn't go slower, Jess. Mm -hmm. As someone who's a little bit older than you, I can tell (laughs) you, it doesn't slow down. So, so, buckle in. (laughs) It'll be 12 years before you know it.
1: But yeah, pretty much, well, that, that was what I was doing since, since, well, since before I left uni, but seriously, after, yeah, so about six years ago. Where was uni? Uh, I went to uni at Aston in Birmingham. Okay, and I did maths. Math? Mm-hmm. That's a it's
0: solid.
1: A that's not really useful. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: well, I think. I mean, hey, you, you gotta. I mean, there's a lot of accounting involved with being a touring performer. You know, like like you gotta factor in your costs and all mm-hmm. that fun stuff. Do you have a favorite city to play?
1: Um probably nottingham i mean I, I, my favorite venues is kate fitzgerald and stourbridge just down from me but I, I really like playing in nottingham it's just a really vibrant um really vibrant place there's loads going on and everyone's always really up for up for a good night out of live music so it's,
0: really mm. and there's a lot of um isn't there a lot of stuff going on right now with Sherwood Forest? Like, they're trying to frack there or something like that?
1: I think they've stopped it for the time, but I'm not really well up on that to be honest, but I think they've stopped it for the time being but it it wouldn't surprise me if they're trying to do it again.
0: Okay. It's, uh, and I'm not necessarily, like, super well read on it myself. In fact, my knowledge on the topic is limited to a Beans on Toast song. (laughs) So... (laughs) If you know, if you know him, um, but uh, I actually got to I, I forget his, his first name, but I, I actually got to see him live in Manchester because mm. um, my, you know, my my now wife, then girlfriend and I were, were on vacation in England and, and we went to Manchester for a night. And, you know, I mean, I, I just love all the music from there. So for me, it was like a big deal to like go to the Afflecks and stuff like that and, and do the the like BBC Six walk and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. And we walked by the Ritz and um, we looked at what was going on that night. Because I'm like, well, I just want to see the Ritz. I don't know if there will be a show we'd want to go to or whatever, but I just want to see it, you know. And um, it just so happened that night was beans on toast and skinny lester and That's i told i'm like I, I yeah i was like i i listened to this guy like i'm familiar with him and, and you know my my wife was like we we gotta get tickets and i'm like yes and so we went and the floor bounces there have you ever been to a show there i've not, I'm not <laughs> you haven't uh, uh well, I'm sure, you'll probably play there at some point it's but it's yeah. on the list that i'd like to it's such a cool space. It's one of my favorite spaces that I've ever been to, you know, just anywhere. Um, and yeah, the floor does legit bounce. So <laughs> like when you when you do the speed up on Bella Chow, the floor will presumably bounce if, <laughs> if everyone dances. So that'll be yeah, that'll be pretty pretty
1: really weird with the O2 venues. It's like some of them are ace and some of them like the one in Birmingham. It's just like a box. Really? No soul. I absolutely hate the 0 Academy in Birmingham. I like the Institute though. That's a that's a good venue. But yeah, some of them are just brilliant, and no, others not not so much. Do you do the French festivals at all? Not yet. Okay. Absolutely not not yet. <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Uh well, right on. So, uh, in closing, where uh, where do you want to direct people to go find your stuff?
1: Um. I'm mostly active on Facebook, um, just Silk Music on there. Um, and there's a link. I mean, I'm on all the socials, but that's, that's the most a- active one. I've got Bandcamp page um, and everything. Everything's all on, on all the usual places. You can find me, Spotify, Deezer, all of that lot.
0: If you were in a situation where you had one chance to play one song, one of yours, of course, and <laughs> it's just you—you you got one song, and you got to play it, and that's it. What would you play?
1: Ooh, that's a difficult. One cause there's two, but probably if home is where the heart is, that's one that I always finish with, and yeah. um, everyone seems to to like that. I like it too, but yeah, home is where the heart is.
0: I like it too. That's a great song. <laughs> well, Jess, thanks so much for doing this.
1: Oh, thanks for having me I got, got around to it in the end <laughs> it's been a busy month I'm glad to be here
0: alright that was Jess Silk be sure to check out her music at JessSilk.Bandcamp.com again that's JessSilk.Bandcamp.com I recommend starting with the live album from Katie Fitzgerald's I recommend starting with that one it, It's a, it's a wonderful listen but check out all of her stuff you will not be sorry. I promise. Music for the One Thousand Podcast is provided by Andrew Saxena. Check out his podcast, The Baywatching Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I said podcasts a lot in that sentence. If you would, please leave us a five-star review. And if you want to support this show on the sustainability end, you can do so at patreon.com slash Ron Placone. For a Give What You Can level, you get all kinds of perks. You get 1,000 episodes before they're released to the public. You get a bonus 1,000 podcast featuring Andrew and myself. And I'll make you a theme song. You can get all that for a Give What You Can level. So patreon.com slash Ron Placone. So that was Jess Silk. We have 992 more episodes to go. Man, it's going fast. We're almost in double digits. See you next week. Hey, guys. Ron Placone here. Take your own 1,000 challenge. No, you don't need to interview 1,000 people, although if you want to do that, go for it. Your 1,000 challenge can be whatever you want. Maybe you want to call a friend out of the blue once a week. Maybe you want to read a book every month. Maybe you want to start a different garden every season. I guess that might be dependent on where you live. Look, the point of the challenge is taking on an endeavor that enriches your life in some way. And it can be measured. And then, of course, you do it regularly. That's what 1000 is doing for me and hopefully for you, too. The main reason for this podcast and every podcast I've ever done is to build community. So take your own challenge. Then join our facebook group it's called 1000 what's your challenge question mark that's 1000 what's your challenge question mark and post about what your 1000 challenge is and the progress you're making all i ask is that people be encouraging of each other's challenges this is personal and vulnerable so be cool there's enough negativity on social media we don't need to add to it for those of you who aren't on facebook hopefully in the future we'll be expanding to places like discord reddit but for now We're starting on Facebook. And again, that Facebook group is called 1000 What's Your Challenge? See you there.